Hallelujah. I recognize the grace and I doff my, my hat to the God that gave you the grace and to you for embracing it. I have a habit where I ask people to stand for the reading of God's word. If you will not mind, please indulge me. Those of you at home, if you can, I will ask you to do the same. Please rise for the reading of God's word. My scripture reading today is taken from the book of Romans chapter 4. I will read from verses 18, Romans chapter 4. I will read from verses 18 to verse 20, from verse 18 to verse 21. Verses 18 to verse 21. Yes, yes, yes. As I give you the opportunity to turn and flip your Bibles or punch in the scriptures, I need to say this. When God wants to bless a man, I, 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 I mean no disrespect to anyone who is single in this auditorium, but you have not really known the blessing of God until you marry a good woman. There is a reason the Bible says uh, that he that findeth a wife. He says he finds uh, because uh, they are not on the surface. Good things uh, are not readily available. What makes a diamond precious is the fact that you can't walk onto the street and just find it. Uh, you have to search for it. It says he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtains favor. There is a level of favor that you can never walk into until a good thing uh, comes into your life. Until that favor that comes when a good woman shows up. Over 21 years ago, the Lord gave me the opportunity to bump into a good woman. And it's been 21 years of friendship, 17 years of marriage, I said to her this morning, you have grown older and aged like fine wine. You are better today than you were when I first met you. You are more beautiful now than when I first encountered you. Today, my heart is glad. I am able to stand here confident of the grace of God on my life because you have continuously spoken that grace even over my life. Pastor Kemi Grage, I honor and I salute you and I say thank you for all that you have been and you have done. I say, I say to everyone exactly what I said concerning Pastor Z to Dr. Holland. I say concerning Pastor Kemi as well. People come to the city of Zion because they heard me speak or preach. But we all know they stay because they met her. Somebody one more time help me. I appreciate my wife. Thank you. Thank you. Now I am going to run like a freight train. Romans chapter 4 verses 18 to 21. Here begins the reading of God's word. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. 
And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He, Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. He first spoke about weak in faith, now strong in faith, but was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also he was able also to perform for emphasis i want to read in your hearing again verse 18 who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed I bring you this morning as we come as we come close to the end of this year's Heaven on Earth conference. Ooh, I bring you a counsel from God simply titled Back to Gorilla Faith. Back to Gorilla Faith. Bow your hearts with me as I pray. Everlasting Father, stare, 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 quicken that which might have died quicken that which might have waned quicken that which might have wavered concerning our stance in faith that at the end oh god of this short discourse at the end of this short delivery that you will ride on its wings to stir up our faith like never before that we will return to the beginning where it all started that we will dig our feet in the ground immovable unshakable Standing firm to birth that which you have proposed. You have said concerning us this year's conference that it is time for your word to become flesh. We awaken and we lay hold of our gorilla faith. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. God operates in systems. He creates something and then he puts it in a system. He said, let there be light. And then he created day and night a system. He creates the trees and then he puts the process of that creation into a system of sowing and reaping. He creates the animals and so that he will never have to keep creating. He have to create in the animals. He establishes the system that we now call the reproductive cycle. Uh, we also see in the time of the children of Israel when they were walking through the wilderness uh, that he gives them manna in the wilderness. Uh, but when they get into the promised land, he makes them, the manna stops and then he makes them begin to till the land. And so God believes in systems. He operates in the supernatural, but he wants us to also put systems in place. This morning I'm speaking to pastors and emerging leaders and I really want to draw your attention 
attention to the necessity to put systems in place. We will see that when again they were in the wilderness, when they had to go to war, the Bible says that Moses goes to the top of the mountain with Aaron and with her, and he raises up his rod, and because his rod was raised, Joshua gets victory in the valley. We must appreciate then that it was not the skill set of Joshua that gave him the victory in the valley. We know this because they had just come out of, 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 of slavery. They did not have the skill set for war, neither were they a trained army for war. And so the only reason why they got the battle was not because there was a system, but because Moses raised his rod. But when they got into the promised land several years later, uh, the Bible tells us that Joshua raised an army. Several years later, we realized that when war was looming, uh, Joshua calls forth the army. There was now an army. So we start with the supernatural but as you release the supernatural you must take that with the supernatural births and put it into a system uh, because if it's not in a system then it is not easily transferable I need to share with you a few thoughts when we talk about structures systems and order uh, there are some advantages with putting them in place one advantage of having an SSO which I mean, uh, when I say SSO, I mean structure, systems, and order. One advantage is if you have a system and a structure in place, it makes success predictable. Uh, you can actually predict an outcome uh, because you have studied the system. And if it produces like this several times, you can rely on it with some reasonable confidence that it will yet continue to do so. So when a system is in place, it enables you to uh, predict success. When a system or a structure is in place, then excellence and skills become transferable. Let me say it again. When there is a system in place, then you can transfer the skill. This is why I am greatly honored by what the For Change Foundation is up to because there is a system and a structure in place at For Change that ensures that it will year on year produce people that are well equipped. Systems make skills transferable. When a system or an SSO is in place, progress becomes measurable. It enables you measure and you are able to keep a record of your progress. Targets and goals are less ambiguous when an SSO is in place. Let me say this as well. Systems are governed by principles. Hear me now. Systems are governed by principles. I was saying to a friend of mine that for the last two years, I have begun to suffer from the consequence of having a good system in place. Because when you put a good system in place where you are able to take off and it can run reasonably well in your absence, you could run the risk of becoming lazy. You could run the risk of becoming 
of becoming less particular about certain outcomes because you have raised men and women that can create it. But systems are governed by principles. Those who use the system but are oblivious to the principles that govern it can never maximize it or, when necessary, circumvent it. Let me push. Now, this is where I'm really going. Uh, because of the effectiveness of systems, structures, and order, many in the kingdom of God have forgotten and tend to forget that the effectiveness of God's system was first conceived by the word. Let me say it again. Because of the effectiveness of systems, and I'm saying this from personal experience, because of the effectiveness of systems, many of us, particularly in the kingdom, tend to forget that the only reason why a system came into being was because it was first conceived by revelation. Dr. Pat Bailey just mentioned that. Before, there was the principle of sowing and reading before there was the principle or the system of day and night, before we see the rotation of the earth that brought day and night the system, there was a let there be light, there was revelation. You need to understand this. Uh, goodness. Uh, like I've just mentioned, before there was a trained army, there was first the lifting of the rod of Moses. Uh, we know that according to Isaiah 11, uh, that the rod of Moses was symbolic of a rod of Jesse that was yet to come. And verse 2 tells us that that rod of Jesse was who? Was Jesus or the Word. When systems are employed without revelation, listen, I'm going somewhere now. When systems are employed without revelation, when systems are employed without a word source, when they hit their limitation and collapse, everything built upon the system will collapse with it. I think I need to say it again. When a system is employed without revelation, and in our schools we are taught systems. Uh, there are systems on how to grow churches. There are systems on how to have a beautiful choir. There are systems on how to grow your income. As a matter of fact, I was listening to the most erudite Bishop Tudor Bismarck some years ago, and he was talking about how even in the body of Christ, there are systems that are now in place on on how to raise funds for your organization where you no longer need to fast or to pray. You no longer need to believe or to stand. You employ the system and it will generate the income. But there lies the challenge. All systems that have not been birthed by the word, watch this, even if there were systems that you have used by the word originally when they are still not connected to the word, watch this, all systems at some point in time will collapse. It is not a curse. It is a rule of law. 
All systems at some point will collapse. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 47 uh, that in the time of Joseph in the land of Egypt, that money failed. It says that when money failed in the land of Egypt, the people moved to Joseph. And this is verse 15. It says when money failed in the land of Egypt, the children of Egypt, of Egypt went to Joseph and said, give us bread. They went to Joseph and asked for bread and said, give us bread lest we die. When systems fail, you better know how to access bread lest you die. It is time to go back to gorilla faith. In Matthew 14, verse 28, watch this. When there was no system to ferry Jesus upon the waters. You must understand this. Uh, the boat is a system that enables you um, travel on water. When there was no system to ferry Jesus upon the waters, we see that Jesus, the word that created the waters, began to walk on it. When the boat failed Peter, when the system failed Peter, he knew how to access the word and walk on water. If we, look, when we become so dependent on systems and we forget how to access the word, at some point in time, the system will collapse. The season we are in has confirmed that. Great plans were put in place for 2020, and then Corona happened. The system that had always worked collapsed. Hmm. First Samuel, I'm still talking about this. First Samuel chapter 10, it says, when, when, when Samuel was going to ordain Saul, and this is the problem. When Samuel was going to ordain Saul, uh, there was a statement he made. And unfortunately for Saul, he never changed the scenario. First Samuel chapter 10 verse 4, he says to Samuel, but he answered and said, it says, and they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. He said to Saul that as you are going and route to becoming king, you will meet certain men. They will give you two loaves of bread and you will receive it from them. Saul receives the bread from them. And you and I know in John 6, 48, Jesus says that he is the bread of life. Saul receives the bread from them. But when we catalog the life of Saul, he never learned how to make bread for himself. And we see the consequences. I repeat, the importance of the word of God cannot be overstated, neither can it be overemphasized. In John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 2 says, and the same was with God. The same, speaking about the word, was with God. But verse 3 now says uh, that, and 
all things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. So we see that if God is going to make anything, he uses what? He uses his word. In Hebrews 1 verse 1, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and in times past, spoke to the fathers by the prophets. Verse 2 says, as in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, and then it says, by whom also he made the worlds. So we see that if God is going to create anything, uh, the only way and the only tool and the only brick and mortar he uses is the word of God. In Hebrews 11 verse 3, it says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In Psalms 107 verse 20, a good one, he said, he sent forth his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. In Colossians 1.17, he says that by that word, by him, all things consist. By that word, all things exist. If God is going to bring change into your life, if he's going to bring healing into your body, if he's going to restore your health, he will need the word. I'm going somewhere with this. He will need the word. But we need to appreciate the fact that particularly in the new covenant, whenever the word is going to go into operation, it seems to require a womb for it to work. What do I mean? In Hebrews 4 verse 2, it says that the word which they received did not profit them, being not mixed with faith. It seems as though, and let's see if we can find the thought in other scriptures. It seems as though that the only way we can get the word to work is when it is mixed with faith. And this then explains Romans 10 verse 17. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I just quoted to you Hebrews 11.3. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Let me clarify. When it says through faith, it's not saying, it's not implying uh, that we should take it on faith. That the worlds were made by the word of God. No, it's saying by the workings and the navigation and the operations of faith. The word created the world. If God had to utilize faith, uh, working with the word to create, uh, for us to do the same, we would require faith. And that's where I want to go. I want us to look at the importance then of faith. Because after all is said and done, after you have attended all the leadership conferences and you have gotten all the degrees and you have learned all the systems, saints, all of that have their limitations. The only thing that is able to survive chaos, the only thing that is able to survive a global pandemic, the only thing that is able to keep standing when all the systems collapse is that which your faith has birthed. 
saints. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. You see, maybe I should backtrack quickly. Because of the simplicity of the word of God, it is so easy for God to appear in your situation and yet you do not recognize him. Uh, look, in 1 Samuel 3 verse 21, the Bible says that the Lord appeared again in Shiloh unto Samuel by the word of the Lord. When God is going to appear in a situation, when he's going to manifest in a situation, he does so by the appearing and by the introduction of his word. I dare say that because it is his word that is released and because many of us, and James tells us this, because many of us do not value words and and we live in a world where we have all suffered the consequences of broken promises. Catch this. I don't have time to explain it, but James draws attention to the fact that when a person receives the word and he's only a hearer of the word and he's not a doer of the word, when a person receives a word and does not keep the word, he says he begins to deceive his heart. He begins to deceive himself. Every time while we were growing up and even up until today where somebody made you a promise and then they did not keep it, it attempted to stop you from being able to believe in words. Every time you made a promise and you did not keep the promise, it began to, without you knowing and without your permission, it began to cause you to have difficulty, to have faith in words. And so for many of us, it does not matter that it is a word from God like has been coming from Thursday, Friday, even to this morning. It is possible to become face to face with the word and still not recognize it. I'm not making it up and we all will not be the first. John chapter 1 verse 11 says that he came unto his own and his own did not recognize him. Why? Because it was the simplicity of the word. This is why there is a need for us to master the art of verse 14, which is the language of this conference. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt with us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of grace and truth. Saints, hear me. The only thing that is able to translate the word, because remember this, in Hebrews it says that all things, the things which are seen were not made but the things which do appear. Meaning, when we talk about the word, it's an intangible force. For the intangible force to become tangible, to morph and become something in your hand uh, that is carnal in the sense that you can use it, it needs to go through the dressing room of faith. This is why faith is so important. And permit me, as I repeat and encourage you again on why we need to go back to the place of faith. In Luke 18, verse 8, Jesus, the writer is speaking about Jesus, and Jesus is saying that when he comes, will he find faith 
Will he find faith? We know in Romans 1.17, it says, and Habakkuk 2.4, and is it Galatians 3.11, all of these says that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live. Meaning, if the believer is going to get anything from the Lord, it will come against the backdrop of of faith. It will come against his understanding of faith. I am fond of saying that what our hands are in the natural is what faith is in the spirit. With your hands, you take whatever you want. In the realm of the spirit, there are no physical hands. You take what has been given with the hands of faith. Let me say it this way. We need to understand that in the heavens, there is a currency that is you and on earth we use our monies. In the realm of the spirit, God does not eat money. That's why Hebrews 7 says, yeah, men receive tithes, but there he does not receive tithes. He receives the faith that was, that was in utilization when the tithe was released. The currency in the realm of the spirit is your faith. Saints, the same way, and this is the troubling factor, Dr. Max, the same way different people have different, in, on this earth, different currencies are weighted differently, different people's faith are weighted differently. When somebody pulls in a thousand dollars and you pull up with a thousand rand, don't be deceived. They are both thousands, but they are not the same. They are not the same. They are not the same. The same applies when it comes to faith. Two people could be standing before the same opposition. Both of them born again. Both of them dealt with the same measure of faith. But one person will speak to the mountain. And the mountain will shift while the other one stays there crying. Why? Because in as much as we've all been dealt with the measure of faith, our understanding of its workings and our growth of its utilization are not the same. What currency are you coming to the table with? Uh, we need to go back to guerrilla faith. How does faith work? How does faith work? Saints of God, you do not need to pray to God to give you faith. The Bible tells us in Thessalonians that he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Saints, please understand, he calls it the measure of faith, not a measure of faith. The measure means it is a specific amount. The measure means nobody was given more faith than the other. And this is important because if one person was given more faith than the other, then God is an unjust God. And he prides himself as not being a respecter of persons. So he says he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, 2 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that you will not be tempted above what you can bear. It means then the measure of faith that you have received is all the faith you will ever need to deal with every opposition you will ever face. He's, that's why he says that, that you cannot be tempted above what you can handle. That opposition that overwhelmed you last week, last year, five years ago, was not supposed to 
to do so. You had been given enough faith to triumph over that circumstance. Your failure was not as a result of the greatness of the opposition. It was as a result of your weakness in faith. That's why the Bible then says uh, that if you fail in the time of adversity, how small is your strength? Not how great is the Goliath, but how small is your strength? When we look at the dimensions of faith, Romans 4, from our core scripture that we read, draws our attention to the fact that it is possible to have weak faith and it is possible to be strong in faith. No wonder he says concerning Abraham at some point that he was not weak in faith and then later says concerning him that he was strong in faith. When I talk with many believers as a result of the many chaos that has been going on due to the collapse of the economy, due to the coronavirus and the lockdown and its cascading effects, I begin to realize that many believers have begun to put their trust in the systems of the world. They are calling on God, but they are looking at the economic term, um, 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 templates. They are trusting in God, but they are listening to what the president is saying about their economy. We are forgetting that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world, which then implies categorically that in as much as we are in this world, the limitations of this world and the restrictions of the systems of this world are not our restrictions because we are coming from another place operating with another currency. It is time for us to switch from a weak faith to a strong faith. It is time for your currency to become stronger. Somebody hear me. I'm about to go there now. How do we make this faith work? Saints, a young pastor reached out to me yesterday and was saying, will you help me out with groceries? And I said, no problem. I believe that nobody should go to bed hungry. It is a belief that we have. Nobody should go to bed hungry. But this was my take concerning him. Many young pastors, many young leaders are looking to other leaders, are looking to other pastors, and are hoping that they will give them money. Are hoping they will give them a handout, a hand-me-down. The problem with that is this. Like Saul, if you keep receiving other men's bread and never learn to bake bread for yourself, like Saul, any kingdom you receive, you will lose. You will lose. I will never forget... Um, in one of Bishop David Oyedeko's conferences, ministers' conferences, one pastor got up and said, what are the older pastors and the big churches doing to support the younger churches? And one of his number one um, um, key sons stands up and says, I will answer that question. He comes to the microphone and we were all expecting he was going to give some profound list. So we are having this training and we are giving this scholarship program and we have this uh, small finance. And he comes up, takes the microphone and makes one sentence or actually gives one word. He says, nothing. 
and he goes back and sits down. And someone will look at that and say, such pride, such arrogance, such dishonor, not realizing that it is when you are left in the trenches to dig your way out that nobody can ever put you in another trench and you will be afraid. But every time you are in a trench and somebody gives you a lifeline, a lifeline that you were not part of, of the process in generating, your sustenance is short-lived. Your struggle, as terrible as it might seem, is a necessity in the school of faith. As I begin to close by showing you how, listen to me, hear this. I had a vision. In the vision, I saw a man, scrawny man, and he had a pickaxe, and he was digging. It was a sunny day, the ground looked like gravel, and he was digging. At some point, he stopped digging, he looked up and God, he looked up at God to the heavens and said, I am getting exhausted. This digging is taking too long. Won't you send me help? And the voice from heaven says, I feel your pain, but keep digging. Just keep, at some point, he kept on digging. He paused again and said, what is the purpose of this digging? You are God Almighty. Just reach out and pull the chest or whatever you are, you, I'm seeking. Just reach out and give it to me. And the voice said, I will encourage you, but keep digging. So he kept digging. At some point, he had dug a very deep hole and he hit something that was hard. When he cleared it, he realized it was a treasure chest. When he opened it, there were all sorts of jewelry on it. And then he needed to carry the treasure chest out of the hole that he had dug. All of a sudden, the camera panned back and I saw that this scrawny man, because of all the digging he had been digging, had now built muscles. His muscles had grown. His chest had grown. And because he had built muscles, when it came time to carry the treasure, he had the muscle strength to lift it from the trench. Your struggle is part of the process. Saints, hear me. It is not meant to kill you. It is not meant to kill you. If it's killing you, or if it killed you in times past, it's because there was something you did not understand. Because you will never be tempted above what you can handle. If it came up against you, oh David, it's because you have the five stones that can take the head of Goliath. How does this work? I will mention three things and then we will close with our core scripture. Number one, if you are going to remember how to push your faith when the systems fail, is for you to appreciate that faith sees. Faith must see something. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says we walk by faith and not by sight, which then means that faith is another way of seeing. In Jeremiah chapter 1, he said to Jeremiah, what do you see? And then Jeremiah says, I see X, Y, and Z, and he says, you have seen correctly. I will hasten my word to perform it. He's saying to Jeremiah that when you see 
accurately, then the word comes to pass. The first place we go to when we are going to operate in faith is that we must see an outcome. The Bible speaking about Jesus. He said, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame for the glory. Saints, listen. Who for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him was not set before him in the natural. What was available in the natural was a betrayal from Judas. What was available in the natural was a whipping post. What was available in the natural was a crucifixion on a cross. But he has set something else before him. Where was it set before him? It was in his mind. Oh, saints, hear what I'm saying. It was in his mind. In his mind, he had seen the end point. Saints, catch this. The Bible speaking about Paul, Peter speaking, he said, gird up the loins of your mind. Saints, in the natural, if you are going to give birth to something it, for, for a woman, it comes from the womb of a woman. In the spirit, the womb, our womb in the spirit is the mind. It is the mind. This is why Hebrews 12 talks about being transformed. How are you transformed? How are you born again? How are you reformed? It is by the the renewing of your mind, your womb in the spirit is your mind. So the question now is, what do you see? If you are going to begin to build your faith to the point where it is unconventional, build your faith to the point where it is indomitable, indefatigable, and unstoppable, it will require that you are able to see the end point. So, the Bible speaking about Abraham concerning that, go there, in verse 19 of Romans 4, speaking about Abraham, he says, Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. There lies the working again of the mind. He did not consider, or watch this, he did not put in his mind the state of his body. What did he put in his mind? What did he put in his mind? When he was about 100 years old, neither yet did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. This is it, verse 21. Fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. He put in his mind the performance outcome of the promise he had received. What do I mean? He saw the deadness of Sarah's womb with his natural eyes. He saw each year his aging clock. And the fact that he was no longer as prolific as he was in that other room. He saw all of that. But what he put in his mind was the outcome that he would have a son. I need you to hear me. Meaning, like Jesus, he set before him a joy. We hear, you know, we think in pictures. But we 
communicates in words. But we think in pictures. The same applies when God gives you a word, he expects you to re-engineer or reverse engineer the process. The process is pictures, then words. But God reveals himself to us through a word. So we are supposed to reverse engineer it. You receive the word, you translate it to pictures. You must have a picture in your mind. We, some people call it a goal. Some people call it a vision. Some people, whatever it is, you must have a picture. And the picture needs to be clear. The picture cannot be ambiguous. The picture needs to be clear. If you are looking at becoming married, the picture needs to be clear. If you are looking at becoming healed, the picture needs to be clear. If we are looking at building this campus, the picture needs to be clear. It cannot be ambiguous. We cannot be tentative about it. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let him not think he will receive anything from the Lord. What does it mean to be double-minded? It means today you have the picture in your mind and then tomorrow you have the picture of Sarah's dead womb and then the next day the picture is back and then the fourth day you look at your age and then the fifth day the picture is back. You are unstable and double-minded. We need to come to the place where that picture is not going anywhere. Oh, saints, hear me. The first place we start is that your faith must see something. And what it has seen, you must become dogged about it. Oh, goodness. I'm looking at the time. Let me say this. I will bring it all together, but let me push. Faith sees. Number two, faith says. After faith has seen, faith must say. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. After faith has seen, faith now needs to begin to say. This is where many of us also stumble, the place of saying. Do you know why, Doc, we stumble in the place of saying? We stumble a lot of times because how do you let people know what you are going through? If you are going to maintain your stance in faith. How do you, and, and someone put it like this, the person said, what if that person is my helper? And then the person says, what do you need? And I say, I have no need, for my God has supplied all my needs. Says, what if the person believes me and walks away? I hope you understand what I'm saying. What if the person believes me and, and, and walks away? I said, there lies the test. Of whether your trust is in man or your trust is in God. Because saints of God, you cannot. The Bible says a man that cannot bridle his tongue will commit all manner of sin. He says that the tongue is a small muscle. But with it you can set the whole world on fire. 
He says, a man who does not err in speech is perfect in all his ways. This is a serious matter because to keep the unison between what you have been seeing and what you are saying takes a gorilla stance like you have never seen before. To not be concerned by what people might say. I remember, um, um, again, Bishop Oyeriko was saying that he was in America and an American came to him. And you know, there is this general thought, no offense to the Americans that are watching, there is this general thought uh, that Africa is a place of need, and everybody that comes through is in need, and they need support and sponsorship. And so one of them came and met the bishop and his wife and said, so what are the needs of your ministry? And the bishop, for those of you that know him, you will know that he can be very uncouth and very brash. And he raised his voice and said, we have no needs. When the man left, his wife nudged him and said, what if he wanted to help us? He says, then he should hear God but we have no need. This is a man that had determined that he was not going to change his confession irrespective of the circumstance. Who against hope believed in hope? Against hope believed in hope. I know whom I have believed. You see, if we don't go back to being able to dig your feet in the ground, and draw the line and say, if we die here, we die here. We die here. We die here. There was something that Pat Bailey said when she was praying that blessed me. She said, there are no, how did she put it? That there are no alternatives. No other option. For too many of us, the reason why we are not seeing outrageous, stupendous, ridiculous, mind-boggling miracles is because we have options. There is a call in the heavens. Again, hear me. I am not saying that we should not have systems. But I am saying that if that system has become your area of trust, you are at the mercy of the natural realm. And all systems will fail. It will fail. We need leaders of the kingdom and, and, and keepers of the faith. Hear me. Who will be like Elijah. Who when they hear the word and see the assignment. Will go back and burn everything. Burn everything and follow. Look, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying quit your job and go join the church. I don't think Dr. Max is employing right now. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying where your faith is complete and resolute, it's either you believe it works or you don't. Or you don't. And don't don't think that we are sharing things that we have not and we are not currently in the trenches working out ourselves. 
Oh, no. I remember when because of, of asthma, I couldn't do so many things as a child. It stunted my physical growth. One of my lungs wasn't functioning properly. There were times that I would wake up on admission in the hospital with drips going through because I couldn't breathe. This beautiful woman had more than once come to meet me on admission. Back then, adversity. Because I couldn't breathe because of a persistent asthmatic condition. I will never forget the day I came out of my office for three hours. This was my stance. It's either this thing works or God is a liar. And he himself said he does not lie. And I stood there for three hours on 2 Peter 2.24. It's either I am healed or this thing is a lie. I knew when I received my healing. A few weeks later, I will never forget the day because this was the day I thought I was going to die. I remember I drove to my parents' home. As I was parking the car, I could not breathe. For those of you that have never experienced it, you will not know what I'm talking about. Your eyes begin to turn red. My face began to puff. My chest began to constrict. And I couldn't breathe. Each air... Each breath I took was so overwhelmingly labored that I thought my heart was going to pop. As I walked into the living room, my father was sitting there and he looked one look at me. He knew you are having an attack. Where is your inhaler, he said. I mumbled something to give him the impression my inhaler was upstairs, but I had thrown it away. Why? Because I knew I had healed. Look, don't go throw your inhaler. I know in whom I had believed. I went into my room. I locked the door. I sat on the floor. And I pulled out the word. And I said, it is either we get healed here. Look, look, I'm not saying do what I did. But this was my stake. I said to God, it's either I am healed here or I die here, and I promise you, Jesus, for the rest of eternity, I will hound you. You will look out of your window, and I'll be standing there. And I'll be saying, why didn't it work? Why did you let me die? You know you killed me. You know you didn't do this thing. I told him, it's either you heal, or we die here. And I passed out. And I woke up. It's been over two decades. Never had another asthmatic attack. Never had one. Says, so hear me. You will get to a point where if you do not make the decision, you have put all the systems and you must put the systems in place. Look, I am well read and I'm still reading. So don't get me wrong. The information that is required, I gather it. But I have also learned that if I am going to go beyond what this information can give me, I better understand how to utilize my faith like a weapon. Like a weapon. Faith sees. Faith says. And the last thing, faith does. Faith sees. Faith says. Faith does. James 2 verse 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. 
There are actions that you must be willing to take that confirms that you actually do believe. Saints of God, this is another area where people confuse the methodology. Because we see people who do things so that they, to prove that they believe. You do not take actions to show God you have believed. You take actions because you have believed. I did not put aside my inhaler to convince God that I believed. God does not need to be convinced. He knows all things. Hope you understand that. He doesn't need persuasion. Our faith is not to convince God to do it. If you think faith is so that God has a faithometer and then he's measuring your, your faith level and he's saying, no, this faith level is only, is only to get this skoro skoro. But you, if you push it, this faith level is to, and God is measuring your faith. That's not God. That makes him wicked. He's wicked because if he can just give you, why won't he? The issue is not this. He has already given it. What can your faith carry? Many people are coming to the river of God's abundance with buckets. And they are shouting at the people that are coming to the same river with tankers. And they are blaming God for forgiving those people that are coming with tankers. When really it is because they showed up with a bucket. Faith does. When you have seen and you have spoken, what is your response in faith? What is your step of faith? What is the action you will now take to confirm that you have believed? Saints, it is a threefold cord that is not easily broken. When what you are saying what you are seeing corresponds with what you are saying. And your actions remain consistent with what you have seen and said. It is impossible for it not to come to pass. Rise to your feet. Mm. He says in verse 20 of Romans 4, he staggered not at the promise of God. We have staggered long enough. We have been shaken long enough. We have allowed, and we say things like, I'm only human. You have said this long enough. You have encompassed this mountain long enough. It is either this thing works or it doesn't work. And the only way to work for it to work is for you to work it. For you to stand there on the word you have received. Convert the word to the, to the outcome that you have seen. Align your speech to remain consistent without outcome, and ensure that your actions don't deviate. It says this, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, 
believe that ye have received them, and ye shall, not ye might, ye shall have them. Lift your hands as I pray. And so everlasting, Father, we go back to the place. We go back to the place where we accept that your word works. Your word works. And like Abraham and more so even like Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Yes, we set this before us. We are immovable, unshakable. We stagger not. What we see is what we say. And we keep saying, for there is a performance thereof. Thank you, Father, for our faith just went gorilla. Hallelujah.